The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, again, welcome to the Grove Church in Homeless. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Psalms chapter 130. Uh, we continue our series today uh, talking about the Psalms of Ascent, Psalms of Ascent. And this is a series called Happy Trails, where we're really diving into uh, just a section of these Psalms, basically Psalms uh, 120 through 134. We have an opportunity to kind of respond and hear uh, these Psalms in, in a new light, kind of based on where this series has begun. And just for a little bit of background, once again, this, this series and this whole passage of scripture that we're in is about the people of Israel uh, making pilgrimages, making journeys uh, to different festivals in Jerusalem. And they would travel, uh, obviously, with animals and their children and extended family. And they would travel and worship the Lord to these songs. And so these are songs that they would sing. That's why they're written, written in your Bibles in this poetic nature. They come from the wisdom literature category of the scriptures, and so we we get to kind of be on the journey with them and a journey in our own lives as we look to these psalms. Um, Before we get to the text, I want to uh, just share one thing that's happening this afternoon um, that I'm really excited about, and that's what we call Pizza with the Team. Today at 1.30 at Snohomish Alfie's, if you're new to the church and you want to meet our team and hear a little bit more of the vision of our church, uh, it's all taken care of, all the food's provided, and just an opportunity for us to connect with you and your family and get to know you better. And so it's today at 1.30, literally down the road right here at the Snohomish Alfie's. You're obviously welcome to attend if that's something that you're interested in coming to. So these Psalms that we're going to be in today, Psalms 130, uh, it'll help me by setting the stage for a story before we kind of jump into uh, the text there today. But I've shared before that I grew up in a family of three boys. I'm the youngest of three, got Jordan, Nathaniel, and then myself. And we're about two and a half years apart. So my mom and dad just, man, kept us real close together. So growing up, uh, we basically killed each other all the time and uh, got in trouble all the time. And so if you have boys and all they do is destroy your house and destroy each other, totally normal, like absolutely normal. So we, we grew up in kind of a crazy family, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of adventures, a lot of excitement, but just as boys, I think being very strong-willed and maybe my mom, we just wore my mom down too much. We just got into a lot of trouble as, as kids going up, got in trouble with our parents, got in trouble with our neighbors, got in trouble with our neighbor's parents, got in trouble with our neighbor's friends, um, got in trouble. I mean, we just got in trouble a lot. And uh, there was the paddle where we'd get a spanking on the butt. There was grounding, being, you know, stuff being taken away from us. I think I've shared before, uh, the worst was being grounded from church, which I thought was like the worst punishment ever. Like, how anti-God can you be to ground your boys from church? But my parents knew that church was like a privilege. So I'll never forget, my dad would be like, church is a privilege, son. And now you're grounded for it. So they wouldn't let us go to church. It's the rudest thing ever. And so, um, but... But one of the things that, that my brothers and I would do all the time is we were just rebellious people. I mean, we just made fun of each other, hit each other, smacked each other. But one night in particular, Nathaniel and I just had this craving um, for candy. All right, I don't know about you, but I love candy, okay? And so we just had this craving for candy. And our dad like had stashes of, of candy in different places in the house. But for whatever reason, we couldn't find one of his stashes. And so Nathaniel was like 15 or 14. I think I was probably, you know, 11 or something like that. And Nathaniel's like, dude, mom and dad are sleeping. They're working nights right now. Let's just let's just drive down to Albertsons. Okay. So we lived in North Marysville. There used to be an Albertsons there. And, um, 
I'm like, no, bro. Like, you don't have a driver's license. We're not doing that. Like, there's no way. Let's just ride our bikes and let's just, or just walk. And he's like, no, dude, let's take mom's van and let's go to Albertsons and buy some candy. Okay. So I was like, you know that feeling where you know you shouldn't do something, but you want to do it? You ever feel that? Like, it happens to me every day. So anyways, it's called ice cream. No, but like that feeling where you want to, you know, you want to do something, but you're like, okay, this is not, I shouldn't be doing this, but I, what I want. And so my brother convinced me like, we'll be fine. Everything will be fine. So my mom and dad were sleeping and we decided to steal the family van. All right. It was an old like Dodge caravan. Wasn't in the greatest shape. And Nathaniel didn't have a license, didn't have a permit, didn't have anything. So I'm in the passenger seat. He's in the driver's seat. We take the van. Parents are sleeping. And we, we lived in this neighborhood. It was called uh, Sherwood Forest where there was like speed bumps over, you know, every few feet, you know, not few feet, but you know, I don't know, half a mile. So it was like super fun. So we get in the car and we're driving and you know, every now and then we hit the speed bump. Boom. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> they're never going to find that. This is awesome. You know, it's just like four or five speed bumps. And finally, finally we get into the Albertsons park it, and we're just got that rush. You know, there's just that feeling of like, <laughs> Like just excitement, but like nervous. And so, I don't know, you know, chicle sticks and Skittles and Starburst and suckers and caramel apple suckers. I mean, whatever candy you like. So we were like grabbing candy, stuff in our pockets, buying them, you know, buying it, of course, didn't steal it. Stuff, you know, buy the candy, put in our pockets. And then we decide to, you know, make our, make our way home. And I'm like, just drive safe then. Everything's going to be fine. We're, we're almost in the clearing. Just drive safe. So as we're pulling out, it's probably like 11 o'clock at night or, or midnight. As we're pulling out, there was like this like weird kind of intersection in the parking lot where, you know, one car could fit, but definitely two cars sh- should not go through, you know, this area. And, um, and, and so I, I, I was like, yeah, Nathaniel, d- watch out for that truck there, dude. There's, dude, watch out, watch. There's a truck! Okay, dude, so... We got in a car accident, okay? So it was like a brand new, whatever year it was, brand new 2000, I mean, whatever the year that that was when we were kids, brand new, like lifted black, um, fancy truck. You know, like those that you like drive by, you're like, dude, what? Fancy, fancy truck. And what ended up happening is we, we hit his mirror and smashed his mirror and then our side panel skidded all the way across the driver's side and scratched up the whole side of his brand new black four by four truck. Right? I mean, dude, the worst. Okay. Like we're dead. Okay. We are dead. And we get out, and I just start bawling. <laughs> I'm so excited. My brother invites me. I'm just bawling. And Nathaniel is like, he's like, the guy's like, dude, what happened here? And Nathaniel's, Nathaniel's like, well, I, I don't know. I didn't see you, and I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and the guy's like, what's your name? Let me see your license. <laughs> so, so Nathaniel goes, uh, yeah, my name is Jordan. <laughs> so he's blaming on my older brother. Like, my name's Jordan. He's like, I, I actually forgot my license at home, but, but I'll have my dad call you. So we exchanged numbers, and the guy was, you know, pretty cool about it. <laughs> so we're, we're heading home. We have a mirror hanging off of the driver's, driver's side. Like, there was no way of hiding this. And literally, like, the laughter and the joy on our way there was just turned into just this, like, Fear and terror and just this like, you know, I, I just, I'll never forget just driving home. Just <laughs> things like, shut up. <laughs> we have to wake up dad, you know. And then, yeah, we had to get home, you know, wake up dad and tell him, you know, what happened. And, you know, basically we were grounded for life and it was the worst ever. But anyways, it was crazy. 
Luckily, the story ended with us getting punished and destroyed by our dad, but luckily the guy was willing to let us do the work and fix the work without getting insurance companies involved. And my dad had a guy and they had a guy and it all ended up working out and costing my dad a lot of money and it was awful. But that being said, it's a great introduction to, so this is the picture of what I would call sin, all right? Now, this is what I mean by that, is that this picture of sin works very similar in our lives, where there's times in our life, whether we want to admit to it or not today, there's times in our lives where we, we do something and we know, okay, we know in our heart and our mind, we probably shouldn't be doing that. Or there's times in our lives where we think, you know what, we probably should do something about this, but we end up not doing it. The Bible talks about these two different types of sins. There's one that we call and define as the sin of omission. We read about this in James 4.17. It says, anyone who knows the good they ought to do and does not do it sins. So James is telling us that when we go to when we see a situation or an experience or something that we feel like we could do something, we could do good there, we could act, we could make something happen there, and there's something in our hearts drawing us to do it, and we know we ought to do it, but we decide not to be obedient and not to do it, Bible says that that is the sin of omission, wishing we would have done something when we didn't do that, and we can relate to that. There's also what we would call, which is what my brothers and I did, this, this sin of commission, These are sins we commit that we know we should not do. Paul dealt with this a lot in Romans 6 when he said, I do the things I ought not do. And the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. So there's these two different types of sins. And what happened that day with my brother and I that night was this sin of commission. We knew we should not be driving that car. Number one, it was illegal. Number two, it was disobedient to our parents. Number three, it was a rebellious decision. And we knew we should not do those things. And yet we decided just for the fun of it, for the thrill of it, we should do it. And in fact, if we're honest, sometimes in our lives, even when behavior is wrong or there's sin in our life or there's something in our life we know we shouldn't do, there is a thrill to it. I got to be honest with you, driving to Albertsons on the way there, the speed bumps were awesome. I mean, not wearing a seatbelt was awesome. My parents not knowing about it was awesome. And lastly, the candy tasted awesome, right? So there is that experience in all of our lives where sometimes when we do things we should not do and we would call that sin, sometimes there is an experience initially or maybe even during it or maybe even sometimes after for a while that is, it is enjoyable, But eventually what happens is our conscience comes in and there is this sense of guilt that we experience and sometimes the guilt is delayed because the adventure is exciting and the moment is amazing and we feel like we can get away with it or no one's going to find out about it or it's not going to be a problem. But, But eventually what ends up happening, no matter what area of sin in our lives that we struggle with, what ends up happening is Sometime down the road, could be initially after like the van, or could be a year or months or weeks or days later, we end up crashing. I mean, we end up falling apart. We end up losing our way. And this conviction of the Holy Spirit begins to bring this guilt and this weight to our sin. C.S. Lewis said it like this, no man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. 
It's just this reminder that we struggle a lot in our lives with temptation and falling short of the glory of God, which brings us now to Psalms 130. This is in the category of the penitential Psalms or the Psalms of Confession. These Psalms are numbered, if you're taking notes, they're in Psalms chapter 6, Psalms 32, Psalms 38, Psalms 51, Psalms 102, Psalms 130, and Psalms 142. These penitential Psalms or these Psalms of Confession, they are given to us and they're geared toward worshipers seeing themselves as forgiven people whose only right to enter God's presence lies in God's mercy. They point specifically to confession of sin and forgiveness of sin and God's ability and right to forgive us of those sins. I'm going to read just a few verses from each one of these psalms I mentioned here. So you'll get the theme here of this confession or this admission of our sins before God. So Psalm 6, 2 through 3. It says, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Again, this theme of confession of sin, this theme of recognizing the marks that we have against God. Psalms 32, 1 through 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. It goes on here, Psalms 38, 4. For my iniquities have gone over my head, or my sin have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Probably the most famous one that you and I are familiar with is Psalms 51. This is right after David committing adultery with Bathsheba and then having Uriah killed on the front lines of battle, all while him being the king of Israel. And when he recognizes his sin and the the guilt of his sin, he writes Psalms 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Because I'm old school and I listened to old school music growing up, there was another song we sang off of the Psalms. It just went like this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The song I grew up singing, it was just this confession of God, clean my heart, make me pure before you. And you're like, wow, I didn't know you sang. Why don't you do our worship, okay? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Psalms 102.2, do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me, answer me speedily in the day when I call. And then lastly, Psalms 143.10, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. So I've kind of set this stage for us, and this is usually how I always speak. I set the stage in the background to what we're going to be turning towards here in Psalms 130, because I want you to understand that there's different themes that we can draw from, and this is the theme of this Psalms 130. The people of God are singing, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. 
Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Psalms 130 and verse 3. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Let's pray for God's word today. Lord, I just thank you so much that in you, God, we can find forgiveness and healing and mercy for everything that we experience in this life, God. For sins of omission, things that we ought to do that we don't do, but also sins of commission where we do things we know we should not do and yet we struggle to do those very things. But I thank you that in you, God, there is healing. In you, there is forgiveness. In you, God, we can be made whole and free. And so we thank you for that today. In your name we pray. Amen. The people of God start off by saying, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. It is the deepest and darkest times of life that prayer sometimes becomes the only thing that we can do. David experienced plenty of times of this when he experienced these sins against God and the sins where he committed that he felt so ashamed of. And the, the, the people of God are saying, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. What ends up happening ultimately when we experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit and, and something that we've done that we know has been harmful to ourselves and to God, this, this sin, whatever sin it is, what ends up happening ultimately is there has to come this depthness from our heart. This, this repentance, this conviction, this crying out to God. And sometimes in our lives, that's the only thing that we can do when we experience the guilt and the conviction of the Holy Spirit when we commit sins. is to cry out to the living God out of the depths of our soul. And I'm sure you've experienced this maybe in some time in your life where there's something deep inside of you that you're struggling with that you know you need to give over to God. That is the pathway to forgiveness and healing when it's so deep in your heart and yet you feel this sense that, man, I need to get this out of my life and I want to cry out to God. I want to pray to God because this weight and this guilt of sin is overwhelming me. This psalms climbs out of that depth of misery over to confession, to hope, and then finally to assurance. It goes on to say, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. The people of God are crying out to God because of their transgression. They're asking God for mercy. What, what is mercy? Mercy is basically compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who has the power to punish or harm them. And they're asking God to hear their cries, to hear their prayers, and to be attentive to, to offer them mercy and compassion. But this is not just like a, a, a confession or a prayer of your providence, God, I need you to work in this situation, or asking God for protection, I need you to protect me and watch over me as we travel camping this summer. This is not a, a prayer of request for, for healing of someone physically harmed or, or, or ill. This prayer, this depth 
this cry, these psalms of confession, these have to do with sin in our lives. They're dealt with differently. The, the, the people of God are crying out to God because of their sin and the ways they've disobeyed God and they're pleading for God's mercy and compassion, hoping and praying that God will hear them and respond to them with forgiveness and grace. What's amazing is that in the ministry of Jesus, he would often minister to the crowd, whether it be to teaching of parables or miracles, he would minister to the crowd. And the way the text started off, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion because he saw them like scattered sheep without a shepherd. It's this amazing truth and understanding as Christ's followers that we can be confident that the God of heaven and earth will hear our confession of sin and hear our prayers and act on our behalf. It's a pretty incredible thing to think about that he's listening to the cries of our hearts when we've offended him with our lives. It goes on to say, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who can stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. The song and the, and the people of God are, are trying to get their head wrapped around with, what if God was like a person who marked all of our iniquities and then like kept track of them all? Like what if he was like a judge in our current system today? What if God, if we just take that story and that example, what if God was that judge sitting in that court chamber and you walked in and basically the judge looked at you and said, well, first of all, before I even deal with your current situation and the current mistake and the current trespass you've taken, what I need to first do is I need to look at your record. I need to see what you've done in your past I need to see what mistakes you've made and how that's been tracked and how you've been punished. And then, based on your record, I'll be able to give the proper sentence to what's going to happen for you today and moving forward. The people of God are wondering to themselves, saying, man, Lord, if you did that, if you marked sin and iniquities in that way and you kept record of all wrong in that way, who could stand in your presence? Who, who could handle that weight and that guilt and that shame? Because our record, Lord, as your people is way long. I mean, there was a time where you gave us like bread from heaven and we still complained. There was a time where your presence was so strong, it was like a pillar of fire and smoke and cloud and it would guide us by day and night and yet that still wasn't good enough. There was a time when we were in the desert and you had brought us out of slavery and we were going to this awesome thing called the promised land and you gave us water from a rock and that still wasn't enough. And so what we did is we made other gods and sold ourselves to other nations and continued to rebel and rebel and disobey and fall away. And man, God, who could stand in your presence if we had to think of you counting all the things we've done wrong? No one could stand in your presence. No one could stand before you, God, if you kept track of them and marked them and kept a book and used them as proof against us. It's amazing because they say, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. They understand that even though they cannot justify themselves alone, they cannot stand in God's presence because of sin, yet they know that there is forgiveness in God and that he can be feared. 
This is interesting here, this next section. It says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. It's like a chorus, more than the watchman for the morning. Let's repeat it again. Like, well, what are they waiting for? Well, what are the, what are the, what are the people of Israel waiting for? Like watchmen in the, in the morning, waiting till the morning, a watchman would stand guard on a, on a tower of the city of the castle and would look out to make sure no harm was coming towards it. And they would, their job was to wait all night until the morning when the people were saved. What were they waiting for? Well, again, this is before Christ. This is pre-Christ. There is, there is no Messiah yet. There is no Savior. There is no cross. There is no forgiveness automatically, anytime we want. That's not how the system worked. The system worked in this very way. It was the Levitical law, and it was the day of atonement where the priests would go on behalf of the people of God and basically confess sins on behalf of the entire people of God, sacrifice animals, and they would receive forgiveness for the sins that they had been accused of. So they're waiting for the day when that's going to happen. They're waiting for the day when the priest will come and offer them forgiveness through God because of their sin. And they're waiting and they're longing for that and they're hoping for that. They're waiting for this freedom, this redemption from Israel. They're waiting for God's people to be redeemed. Last part here and then we'll offer a few suggestions. Oh Israel, hope in the Lord for with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption and he will redeem Israel from all iniquities. See, what's amazing about this passage of scripture is that the people of God were waiting and hoping and praying that God would hear the depths of their cry for their sin, that he would be attentive to that, that he wouldn't keep track and mark it and keep record of it because nobody could stand in that. And they're waiting and they're longing going, God, when will you come and redeem us? When will we be forgiven? And that you and I sit here today. Now, years later from this passage of Scripture, we sit here today and there is no longer waiting. There is no longer waiting for the forgiveness of sin. We sit here today as people of God standing on the most powerful Scripture in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall be saved. We sit here today as people of God with no priest, no pastor that needs to go for you. We sit here today as the foundation, standing on the foundation of Christ Jesus and his death and burial and resurrection where we can have direct access to God the Father. We can go to forgiveness every single time when we make mistakes and fall short because of the work of Jesus Christ. This incredible hope is found in Jesus Christ. We're made alive because of Jesus Christ. Our shame is now gone. Our past is forgotten. And when God looks at you, he sees Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? That is an exciting thing. That he doesn't see my past. He doesn't see my record. He doesn't see the things I've done wrong Saturday and Friday. But he looks at me today as a child and a son and a daughter of God. And he loves me right where I am today. Accepts me and cares for me and pours out his grace and his blessing on me right where I am today. 
And guess what? Now I can stand in his presence and kneel before him and worship him because of Jesus. So awesome to think about that. I live as a forgiven, not forgotten person. If we're, if we're gonna get practical here, here's what this means. I get to live, you and I get to live as a forgiven child of God. I am not forgotten. I'm not abandoned. I've been adopted into the family of God and I live as a forgiven person. And when I'm forgiven, when my shame is gone, when I live with this this guilt that has been wiped clean and I'm now guilt-free, I'm not guilt-filled, you know what that brings? It brings just joy. It brings love. It brings excitement. It brings happiness. It makes life very full because of what Christ has done. I get to experience and enjoy life. John 8, 36 says, If the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. I get to be free. I get to be free from my past. We get to be free from our shame where no longer our sin is held against us. We're made white as snow. And our response to that, our appreciation of that, how we respond to that is we sing and we worship God. We love our neighbors and our friends and those around us. And we're an expression of God's love because we stand in the state of being forgiven. We stand as a person made in God's image, loved by him. If you want me to get super theological with you, this is where I move away from all of my reformed theologian buddies who say that we're totally deprived and that when God looks at us, we should feel this weight and this guilt and that we should always consider our sin and just meditate and wonder and think of all the things we've done to put Jesus on the cross. And here's the thing. Yeah, I believe that all fall in sin and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, I believe I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I'm gonna view my life. I'm gonna look at myself through the lens of God's love and his grace for me. And I'm going to stand in that seat that when God sees me, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see a wretched sinner that has no identity and no purpose and is just awful and only saved by the skin of his teeth. I think God loves me and loves you way way more than just that. Other than the scriptures, I listen to a lot of podcasts and different pastors. One of my favorite of all time is Timothy Keller. I've read almost all of his books. I listen to any message available by him. He's just one of my favorite theologians today that really helps put into perspective ways to understand the scriptures. I want you to hear what he says. It's kind of a long quote, multiple slides. You've got to kind of keep with me here, but maybe just listen to what he says. I just love this. The gospel of justifying faith means that while Christians are in themselves still sinful and sinning, yet in Christ, in God's sight, they are accepted and righteous. So we can say that we are more wicked than we ever dared believe, but more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared hope at the very same time. This creates a radical new dynamic for personal growth. It means that the more you see your own flaws and sins, the more precious, electrifying, and amazing God's grace appears to you. 
But on the other hand, the more aware you are of God's grace and acceptance in Christ, the more able you are to drop your denials and self-defenses and admit the true dimensions and character of your sin. I love this. You know what he's saying? You must come to a place in your life where you recognize that you have to come out of the depths of your heart and cry out and repent before God. You must recognize the weight of your sin, absolutely. You must understand it. You must realize what it has done to put Jesus on the Christ. But after that, when you've been forgiven and healed and been set free, you know what you do? You become electrifying. You become excited. You become hopeful. You become full of purpose and value and virtue. And your life takes on meaning and you live a life of meaning for others. And I love what he says here. He says, listen, we are. So we can say that we are more wicked than we ever dared believe, but more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared hope. Oh, it's so good. Gets me excited talking about Jesus and forgiveness. As the worship team's making their way up, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the amazing grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. The Bible does say that all have fallen short of the glory of God. That it's our sin that put him on the cross. And that we can find forgiveness and healing and wholeness because of what Jesus has done. In Romans it says, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus died and rose again, we shall be saved. I love that. All it takes is just me confessing, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need your healing. I need your wholeness in my life. And so if you're here today with every eye up and every, every head up and every eye open, if you're here today, you go, you know, man, I just want to put my life into Christ's hands. I want to surrender my life to him. I want my past to be gone. I don't want to feel this guilt anymore. I don't want to feel this shame anymore. I want to be like what John says, free. That if the son has set you free, you are free indeed. You can be whole. You can become a child of God. You can be forgiven from your sin, from your past. And you can, when he, God looks at you, he will no longer see your sin. He will no longer hold that against you. He will see Jesus on the cross and the amazing resurrection. If you're here today, you say, you know what? I want to become a Christ follower. I want to put my faith in Jesus today. I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand in this place. I just want to be bold enough and say, that's me. If there's anyone in here, you want to say yes to Christ. Thank you so much, bud. Anyone else with this one? Awesome, too. Thank you so much. Anyone else? You want to put your faith in Jesus today? Would you bow your heads with me here today? If you raised your hand or if you're a Christ follower in here, I'm just going to have you pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus. Come on, say, Jesus. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I confess today. I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me whole today. And Lord, we thank you, God, today that in you, we are forgiven. That in you, we are children of God. That in you, our past is gone. And we stand, we sit here today, and when you see us, you see us as your loved, beloved children of God. 
I thank you, Jesus, that if the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. And we praise you and thank you for it. And all God's people said, amen. Can we celebrate for two hands that raise? Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.